Welcome to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. For free rankings, player values, waiver wire tips, and trade advice, follow him online at dynastyfreaks.com or email dynastyfreaks at gmail.com. Hello and greetings from Austin, Texas. Welcome all of you Dynasty Freaks. Admit it, you are addicted to Dynasty. I am too. My name is Justin Christopher and I'm a Dynasty Freak. That means I love drafting and trading and scouting and managing all of my teams 365 days a year. So do you. So let's talk Dynasty on episode number 254. Thanksgiving week. Wow. It's uh, my favorite regular season football week of the year. Uh, having so many isolated games where you just get to watch the entire game and so many days of the week that they're playing games. It's so fun. Makes for an exciting week for Dynasty managers who wake up each of those days, Thursdays, Friday this year, Saturday, no, college football Saturday, but Sunday, and now we've got Monday night. Tonight, uh, so much fun just following our players. While I didn't have the best week myself, um, I'm still in first and second place in five of my nine leagues, uh, though I got bumped down to second place in a few leagues this week just because of a, a pretty bad week. But even when my teams don't do well, I love following all the games, cheering on my players. So after following all the games for this week, I thought I'd give you a little, uh, couple uh, dynasty takes, talk some waiver wire, and then talk about some free uh, trades that took place in my leagues. Most of my leagues, the trade deadline actually is tonight on Monday night. Like you got to make these trades before tomorrow morning. But there were a few more that took place in my leagues this week, uh, one of which was a pretty uh, aggressive trade that I made. So let's look forward to that. Let's just talk about some overall ob- observations. Uh, fun. The first one's going to be a little bit of a complaint, uh, just a vent for myself. That would be, I'll call it battering rams. The Rams smashed the Cardinals on Sunday afternoon, but it didn't help Dynasty managers. Only Kyron Williams managers enjoyed that game because even in a blowout win, Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup combined for seven receptions and 45 yards total. That's crazy. This was a very frustrating game, uh, the most frustrating game of the week, too. Tutu Atwell led the team in targets and and, and led the team in yards. And then Tyler Higbee had his first two touchdowns of the year, had done nothing all year, but he gets two touchdowns. Then Royce Freeman scores as well. I mean, at least the, the managers who trusted Williams, uh, you know, in his first game back were handsomely rewarded. He had 204 yards from scrimmage, got two touchdowns. Dynasty managers who held on to Williams uh, through his very unproductive rookie year uh, have, you know, one of the biggest surprise players this year. Every year, one of the things that I do is I rank the rookie class before the combine, after the combine, and then after the NFL draft as we're, we're preparing for rookie drafts. And back, I went back to look at my uh, 2022 rankings and actually had Kyron Williams before the combine. Uh, I had him ranked number eight in the class. But after his terrible combine performance, I moved him down to number 19. And then fought, after the NFL draft, when he fell away the fifth round, then I moved him down to 33. So when it finally came time for rookie rankings that year, he had fallen from number eight just by my watching film and, and uh, studying the player, had him number eight. Then he dropped all the way to 33 because of draft capital and poor combine. His outstanding play this season uh, should remind the dynasty managers, such as myself, to be careful not to dock a player too much for not doing well in the combine or for uh, falling in the NFL draft. His back-to-back 1,000-yard and 14 and 17 touchdown seasons at Notre Dame uh, should have kept him a little bit higher in my rankings. Uh, his fall cost me my chances to roster him, and now I only have him in one league, which is a pretty big bummer. Congrats to those of you who drafted him earlier and held on to him. Great surprise. He helped the Rams and helped Dynasty teams. Uh, Puka Nakua, Cooper Cup, not so much, and that was pretty sad. Next, we'll call it a changing. Um, a change will do you good. Uh, Pittsburgh uh, finally 
hired or fired their uh, offensive coordinator, Matt Canada, last week. And the change did them well, uh, resulting in their most, eff- uh, most uh, effective uh, offseason yardage total for the season. Uh, for the first time all year, they actually had more yards than their opponents did, which is pretty, pretty wild. Uh, they had a hard time finishing drives, making them t- into touchdowns, so it doesn't show it so much on the board, but they did have the most productive uh, fantasy game of the year. I was eager to see what kind of changes would take place, particularly at running back, because I hope that they would actually switch and the new offensive coordinator, new play caller, would give more touches to Jalen Warren. But he didn't. It was pretty much 50-50 split again, with 15 touches for Harris and 16 for Warren. Harris played 54% of the snaps compared to Warren's 48. That's about as close to 50-50 as you can get, for sure. The surprise in the offense, though, was how much they went to Pat Fryermuth, uh, who led the team and with 11 targets, had 9 receptions and 120 yards receiving. Uh, sadly, uh, like, like it was it's very likely that he was on manager's benches because he's just not played well this year, had been missing time due to injuries. He wasn't in any starting lineups for this great uh, breakout game that he had. His 16.6 fantasy points this week were almost more than he scored the entire season. The whole season he scored 22.5 and so those are in the five games played because he's missed so many games as well. It's too early, I think, to, to say that this is a shift change in the offense, um, especially since Cincinnati has been one of the worst defenses against tight ends. Um, I think that uh, it's going to kind of wait and see maybe one or two more weeks to see if this is a thing. Still, it's promising. And Dynasty managers who've had Fryermuth and they want, you know once believed, people believed that he was really going to be kind of a top 10 tight end in, the, in Dynasty. But he's slowly seen his dynasty value get further and further down as both uh, his you know, poor performance, but also in response to the many young tight ends that have come in and have already passed him up. I know for me, he's fallen to 18th in my rankings, uh, but he could start moving up again soon, particularly if there's one more week and it shows that this is part of the scheme and not just because they're playing a bad team. Third comment I'll make from this week, it's been like a source of frustration. I think I've talked about it almost every week, but running back roulette, man, from week to week, it's just a guessing game to know what running backs with backup quarterbacks will do. Last week, Saquon Barkley s- smashed behind Tommy um, DeVito, but this week he crashed. Last week, Josh Jacobs crashed with Aiden O'Connell, but this week he smashed with Aiden O'Connell. Joe Mixon's first week with Jake Browning was terrible. Apart from one long screen pass, he would have had an even worse game. Jerome Ford and Kareem Hunt, they couldn't get things going behind Dorian Thompson-Robinson. Uh, even though they were playing one of the worst run defenses in the league. And then Brees Hall, he can't do a thing if Tim Boyle's going to be at the helm of the Jets' offense. It's frustrating to have a player in Dynasty that you know, you know they're more talented than this, but they just get hampered when they have this backup quarterback play, especially in the, you know, critical, when they have kind of a critical piece of your Dynasty roster. Um, I know, for instance, I have Mixon and Barkley on some of my contending teams that are in first or second place. And now I'm just going to have to start considering if I'm going to start another player, someone even like Devin Singletary, ahead of him. Uh, that's terrible because we know he's not as talented, but this backup quarterback stuff brings him down. The only good news in it is that there's so many backup quarterbacks playing that odds are that it affects most of the teams in your fantasy leagues, in your dynasty leagues. So it's happening to everyone. So maybe when it comes to playoff time, everyone will be struggling with which running backs to start when they have backup quarterbacks. Next, let's talk a little rookie watch. Uh, Dynasty managers, they've been waiting for Rashi Rice to break out and have his breakout game. And they enjoy the touchdowns that he scored this year, but they've just been waiting for his target share to increase and then for him to take over as wide receiver one in Kansas City. 
Well, Rice did it. Finally on this week, Rice led the team in targets with 10, and he had 29% of Mahomes' passes, 29% pass share. Uh, he turned that into eight catches for 107 yards and an awesome touchdown. I think Rice's dynasty value has been slowly rising, but now, after this game, I think people are going to make it take a pretty big jump. I still expect that the Chiefs are going to mix in their receivers into their lineups like they've done ever since they traded Tyree Kill. Um, so I'm not going to raise Rice maybe as high as other dynasty managers would, but it is encouraging to see one more uh, rookie wide receiver breakout in this class. What a class of receivers. That's the rookie watch. Here's the old man strength, Curtis Samuel. He led the commanders in targets, catches, and yards this Thursday, much to the chagrin of dynasty managers such as myself with Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson in their lineups. Uh, this is frustrating, and this has not been the only time that Samuel has outperformed his younger teammates this season, even though he's getting about a third fewer snaps than them overall in the year. He scored more than 12 fantasy points uh, in four out of 10 games so far. More, more than 12 fantasy points in four out of 10 games. That's if you take out the one game where he uh, was ejected from the game. In deeper leagues, Samuel's a player that you have to consider starting sometimes. In my 14-team league that where you start 11, you know, 11 players, not including kickers or defenses, uh, that's the, that league I have started Samuel many times this year. And this week I actually debated whether I was going to start him or I was going to start Robert Woods. I started Robert Woods, and then I started kicking myself all afternoon on Sunday as he just kept going and kept making all these catches all over the Cowboys in their attempt to come back from Dallas's butt-whooping. Anyway, Samuel, his old man strength, the frustrating part about it is that what it's doing to the value and the, and the production of Jahan Dotson and Terry McLaurin. Uh, that's been pretty frustrating this year. Next, I'll call it unstoppable. The Jets' defense has actually made some quarterbacks and some offenses look really, really bad this year. Just ask the 10-1 Eagles, who, whose only loss is to the Jets. But that couldn't slow down Miami. I kind of was tapering some of my expectations for all of the Miami players, even though they're playing the hapless Jets. The Jets' defense is so good. Um, but I think that we found something that's unstoppable. This offense is crazy. Tyreek Hill is on pace for 2,050 yards receiving this season. He's averaging 121 yards per game and .8 touchdowns per game, so almost a touchdown per game. Then there's Raheem Mostert. He's averaging 85 yards from scrimmage per game, but he's averaging 1.36 touchdowns per game. He's scoring more than once every single game. So many two-touchdown games for him. Mostert and Hill are uh, tearing teams apart under Mike McDaniel's system. And Miami leads the league in total yards and in total passing yards, and then they're second in the league in rushing yards. Like, those stats don't go together. They usually don't go hand-in-hand. Hand. You're either dominating at, at pass and not as much at run or vice versa, but you can be first in the league in passing and second in the league in rushing. They're the second-highest scoring offense, too, only behind my Dallas Cowboys scoring. The, the Miami is scoring 30.8 points per game. So this offense is humming. Dynasty managers uh, can ride the coattails into victory, I don't think that they can be stopped. Unstoppable offense. That's a couple of observations just from this last week that I was thinking about. Now let's talk about some waiver wire tips. There are a few players that I'm actually pretty interested in this week, so that's going to be uh, good. First player is Greg Dortch. Uh, Dortch has uh, been targeted 17 times in the last two weeks, and he scored more than 10 fantasy points in each of those weeks. Uh, he's gone on you know, a very productive stretch before with Kyler Murray, if you remember that season where he kind of became his lead target for a very, very short time. I think he can do the same again this, this uh, next few games. Uh, I added him on one of my rosters on Sunday morning and started him this week in a deep league that I'm in, and so I was happy to get that touchdown that I got from him, even though it was one of those 
weeks that I lost because of Puka Nakua and not being able to produce for me, and a couple other players as well that I'll mention. Um, but still, Greg Dortch is the number one player that I'd be looking to add this week. I think he could really help some teams if you've got you know a lot of if you've got four or five receiver spots. He should be in there if you're in a league like that. Next is Dearness Johnson. Dearness Johnson, he has surpassed Tank Bigsby to be the uh, Jaguar, on the Jaguars' depth chart, uh, making him the handcuff to Travis Etienne. Uh, he had eight touches in each of the last two weeks, and so he's already rostered in most of my dynasty leagues, but I checked them all, and I actually saw that he was available on the waiver wire in a few leagues. Um, every backup running back in the NFL should be rostered in dynasty leagues. Now and then you find one that's not, and Johnson has moved into the second role. He is now the handcuff. So check out to see if Johnson might be available in your leagues this week. Then there's uh, Tucker Kraft. Kraft played 96% of the Packers' snaps on Thursday, filling in for Luke Musgrave, whose injury you know, landed him on IR. And so he, he uh, may only be their starter for a few weeks, but I expect that he's going to be productive during those weeks. And so if you're in a bind at the tight end position and Kraft is still available, he'd definitely be a player worth grabbing. Uh, we know that fellow rookie Musgrave has already beat him out and earned the starting role in Green Bay, but Kraft, if he can produce these next few weeks, he can maybe cause the Packers to reconsider their depth chart. Um, so it's a good dynasty play, too, to pick up this tight end if you're able. He scored a touchdown on Thursday, so he's off to a good start. He might be able to do something for you. And then I can't believe I'm going to say this, but Devontae Parker. Again, I can't believe I'm saying it, but Parker, now that he's back and healthy, uh, I think he's worth possibly adding back to rosters in, di- in deep dynasty leagues. I dropped him from all my rosters earlier this season, uh, but he led the Patriots wide receivers in snap counts this week in his first week back. That's that saying something, even though the Patriots are terrible at offense right now. Um, he did have the second most receiving yards behind Demario Douglas this last week. The Patriots offense, like I said, it's a disaster. So I'd only want to add Parker in the deepest of leagues, but did notice he's out there in all my leagues and went right back into leading the team in snaps and Got a couple of targets, I think three receptions for 42 yards. Something, but that's that. All right, let's close out by talking about some trades, real trades that took place in my leagues among dynasty freaks that help you see the value of other dynasty freaks, what they're thinking about different players. Okay, first trade is a trade that I made, Tank Dell. I received Tank Dell, and I gave away Kyle Phillips, a 2024 first, second, and third round picks. Now, I'll provide the context. That might seem like an overpay, but let me explain the context here in a bit. So first of all, I accepted this. This is in my 14-team league where we start 11 positional players. So, I mean, we're talking, you got got players like Robert Woods and and, uh, Curtis Samuel that I'm starting in in this type of league. I'm second in the league by record and second highest scoring. And I'm just hoping that Dell can actually help me make my playoff push, earn a bye week, and then hopefully take on the first place team who is undefeated, and they're the best, best roster in the league, undefeated and the highest scoring team. Um, I would, Like I said, I wouldn't do this uh, this number of picks, a first, a second, and a third uh, for Dell in a normal dynasty league, but here's the thing why I was willing to do it. Because this uh, this uh, we do, rookie drafts in this league are an auction. And so basically all the, the picks that you have in your rookie draft are assigned a certain money amount. And so you have all that money. You could put all the money that you have from your five picks compile them together just to pick up one player if you want. But here's the catch. Uh, the teams that are able to roll over their money from year to year. And so there are some players, uh, some managers on this uh, in this league already that have tons of money to spend. And so I, I think that if you're really trying to rebuild in this league, you either got to get a ton of money like that or you just got to keep making trades. 
because uh, it's just so uncertain which players you're going to be able to pick because of this rookie auction and because some people have so much money already, they're going to be able to outbid you for everything. And so thinking that I was probably going to be, a, a, you know, God willing, I'll be the, I'll be the 14th team uh, if I have the 14th pick in the draft because I win the championship. But even if I stay at the pace where I'm at right now in second place, that's going to be pick number, you know, 13. And so just not enough money in those picks, I don't think, that was going to allow me to outbid some of the guys that I've already carried out or carried over money from year to year to year. Interesting concept. I've actually enjoyed this league. It's been pretty fun. I think it's going to be really hard to rebuild it, though. So um, we'll see. Different different take, different way to do Dynasty, but I've enjoyed it. And well, in that same league, uh, the next trade was uh, Tanner Hudson was traded for a 2025 uh, fourth and fifth round picks, so all the way into 2025 here. Uh, fourth and fifth round picks. That same league, the manager that traded away Hudson did, you know, did it basically gave away fourth and fifth picks, which basically just means rookie cash, but not that much cash because it's a fourth and fifth round picks. It is a tight end premium league, so one manager was willing to take the shot on Hudson. You know, if he ever does climb the depth chart and become the Bengals' top tight end, uh, he will be a still of a deal to give up a fourth and a fifth in a league like this. The price is about right for, you know, waiting to see if he could do it. Next pick, as uh, next trade was Gardner Minshew, was traded for a 2024 second and fourth round pick. So here's what happened in this one. It was a competitive team in the league that was desperate for a starting quarterback because they only had three quarterbacks. and uh, One was injured, and then they only had two, and then Joe Burrow got injured. And so he played a pretty hefty price for Minshew. Now Minshew, you know, he's going to be the backup. So from a dynasty perspective, he's going to probably return to being a backup uh, next year behind Anthony Richardson. Still, he's the starter for this season, and this team's contending, and that was their only other quarterback that they could get, so he did what he could do. Uh, the team that received the picks is rebuilding, and he has plenty of quarterbacks on his roster, so this is a great deal for him to pick up a second and a fourth. He already has five first-round picks next year, and now he's added back a second and a fourth. Pretty crazy. Price seems about right to me. You know, we'll wait to see if Minshew takes this competitive team to the playoffs. He's one of the two teams with tied for third. There's a string of teams that are tied for third. Of all things, you can think about this. The first year of this league becoming a super flex league, he's trying to make the playoffs, and his two quarterbacks are Minshew and Joshua Dobbs. That's what happens when quarterbacks keep getting injured. You end up trying to make a playoff run with two backup quarterbacks. Pretty funny. Speaking of Dobbs, uh, one more trade that took place in my salary cap league. Joshua Dobbs was traded for Keishon Butte and Calvin Austin. In a one-quarterback league, this is obviously a one-quarterback league, a competitive team was without a backup quarterback. His backup quarterbacks were injured. His starting quarterback is Jalen Hurts, so he was basically just trying to get a little bit of coverage in case Hurts gets injured sometime over the next couple weeks as we head to the playoffs. And it is a salary cap league, but all three of these players have really low contracts, so I don't think this was any sort of a salary cap dump. I just think the rebuilding team uh, wanted to have a backup quarterback in case Hurts was injured. And so, you know, the rebuilding team now is going to have two young players with Austin and Butte that they can wait on and see what happens. They've got those guys actually under contract for a few more years. Butte would be under contract for three years, Calvin Austin for two. And so, whereas Dobbs' contract expires. So, picked up a couple extra players. Seems like a pretty fair trade for a backup quarterback just to hedge your bets as you try to make a playoff run. But then, the same manager that, that got Dobbs to be his backup quarterback made another trade where he got Trevor Lawrence and he gave up a 2024 first and second round picks. So the same manager that traded for Dobbs also traded for Lawrence, whom he's going to have under contract for one more year. So at least his, you know, Dobbs' contract expires this year. Lawrence, well, he's, he can at least have him on his roster for next year too. 
But I just think he gave it way too much for a quarterback that's going to be his backup because Lawrence is likely never going to be the player that he picks to start ahead of Jalen Hurts. Uh, he has Hurts under contract through 2026 too, so I just don't understand why he would be so aggressive at trying to get a backup quarterback in a one-quarterback league. It's a very curious trade that should not have been made, in my opinion. Uh, props to the team that traded for the picks, though, especially since they have C.J. Stroud signed through 2025, and so they were willing to get rid of Lawrence and pick up a couple of first and second round pick. Pretty good work in a one-quarterback league. I know the, the contract and, and stuff it makes things a little bit more complicated. Sometimes I don't even mention the trades that take place in that league because I don't really know uh, how much you guys play in things like that, but... It's fun. Highly recommended. If you're not in, in a contract league, would highly uh, recommend that you at least do one. Ours is through Reality of Sports Online, so it's pretty fun. All right. Well, those are my observations from this week. That's a wrap, my freaky friends. Thanks so much for listening. Make it a two-way conversation anytime by contacting me at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com, dynastyfreaks with two E's. Much better on email than Twitter. Again, I'd be honored if you take time to rate and review the podcast. That would mean a lot to me. Thanks for listening. I appreciate your support. I do want to become your most trusted, independent voice in the dynasty landscape. Until next time, you know what to do. Go out there and get freaky. Thanks for listening to the Dynasty Freaks podcast with your host, Justin Christopher. We welcome your thoughts and advice. Let us know what you'd like to hear on the podcast or see on the website to help you dominate your league. Justin prides himself in responding to every email, so hit him up anytime at dynastyfreaks at gmail.com and follow him on Twitter at LonghornJustin. Justin.